Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them. But the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, there was a cry. Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, no, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you neither know the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. First, I want to—I uh, have to thank um, the bishop for allowing me to make this appeal for the Oblates of the Virgin Mary and our mission in the Philippines. Uh, just the way it works here in the diocese, uh, those missionaries who are invited to go to various parishes, the second collection will be taken up and they combine it, put it all in one pot and just evenly divide it to, to spread it among um, the different uh, ministries and missions that are happening throughout the world. And so that you know, what you give today is not just, you know, for me and the Philippines, but you're really connected to the greater work of the church's missionary work that's happening throughout the world. Um, the second thank you really is to, to Father Jerry. Um, it is amazing, uh, Father Ed was at the earlier Mass. Uh, we have two amazing priests who have really given their life and continue to give their life to the service to the people of God. And I think about the gospel and, and that, that image of the lamp being filled with oil and burning brightly. And I am just incredibly edified this weekend um, by the priest here and, and by your faithless, your faithful shepherd who continues to give back to you. So I first just wanna honor this man and the gift that he is as a priest. Thank you. And I have to confess that as I come here to make this appeal, I feel very much at home. Um, as an oblate of the Virgin Mary, whenever I go to a church that is dedicated to Our Lady, I feel like I'm just coming home. And it is for me a grace that the Diocese of Venice has already opened uh, her arms to me 
and that I've been given a great grace that I worked out with my provincial that every other year I'm able to come down here in, in winter and in, in Florida. So um, I, I live in Boston, I'm from Boston, our seminaries in Boston, and when I'm up there, I'm, I function, or I function, I, my mission is novice master. I help prepare our seminarians to take their vows and really preparing them for future ministry as priests. But every other year, it's starting to work out that my provincial lets me come down here. And so I serve at Our Lady of Perpetual Retreat Center in Venice doing parish, uh, or doing ministry really to a lot of the, the people of this diocese who come and seek a time of, of renewal and prayer. Before I came this September, I was supposed to come before the hurricane. And my mom called me and she said, Sean, are you still going to Florida? And I said, yeah. And she goes, there's a hurricane coming. I'm like, that always happens. <laughs> That's the, they're used to it now. They have hurricane parties, mom. <laughs> and she goes, have you been watching the news? I said, no. She goes, well, watch it. So I went to the Weather Channel, and I discovered the apocalypse is coming. <laughs> you know, like Florida's going to be wiped off the map. And I was like, wow. And I hear about all the people who are leaving Florida. I said, so why am I going down when everyone else is leaving and evacuating? So to get a feel of the sense of what the reality was here, I thought I'd call some of my friends down here. And one of them was, was Father Eric. And I said, I need to know what is really the situation there. And, you know, what I heard from Father Eric and from other people that I have spoken with, because I made like, like six phone calls. I didn't trust Father Eric completely, I'll admit it right now. Because <laughs> um, he's like, oh, I'm staying here. I'm locked in. I was like going down with the ship if it goes down. Um, just he ended up leaving and evacuating. But he said he was forced to. But um, the, what I heard from everyone is that we are prepared. We've got water. We've got food. We've got generator. And uh, we're ready for this storm. And then some people have told me that going to Walmart or they're going to Home Depot and they said that, or the supermarket, they said it's a zoo. The shelves are empty. People are fighting over the last bottled water. And I think about that reality. And is that not the lesson of the gospel we just heard about the wise virgins and the foolish virgins? Those who are prepared. Those who know what, you know, okay, the storm may or may not come, but I'm going to be ready for it. And there are those who, who procrastinate, who wait, who then find it's too late. I think it's a real lesson for all of us. I don't know if you've seen the bumper sticker that those who wait to the 11th hour often die at 1030. <laughs> that the gospel, I believe, invites us to this be attentive to be aware. Am I prepared for the Lord to come? And we don't know what hour that is going to be. The most, two most important moments of your life, you pray every time you pray the Hail Mary. The two most important moments of your life, you pray every time you pray the Hail Mary. So I'm just going to give you a moment to kind of run through it and find when, when those moments are. If you think you have it, just raise your hand. I won't call on you. I'm just thinking, like, if you think you got it, if you're still looking for it, raise your hand. 
If you are afraid to give an answer, raise your hand. <laughs> Two most important moments of your life, now and at the hour of your death. It's the now moment. This is where we encounter God. Today, right here, right now, in this church, in this mass, is your moment. That God wants to stir something in your heart. He has, he has a message. He has a gaze of love, of mercy, of encouragement. He wants us all to receive. And what I'd just like to do this morning is, is one of two things. One is to help you understand maybe a little bit more the meaning of your Christian life, the journey that you're on. What are your resources so that your lamps can be full? And then second, to tell you about our mission and what we're doing in the Philippines. But if all I'm doing is just telling you about our mission somewhere else in the world, and as a priest, I don't help you discover or rediscover your mission, I have failed you as a priest. And so what I'd like to share with you today are, is what I share with my seminarians. And it's the, it's the big picture of understanding our vocation understanding our mission, understanding where am I in this, in this formation that I need to be going through, all of us need in life. And it's three simple dynamics. I'm going to give them to you right now. There's going to be a test. So listen up. Number one is self-knowledge. Number two is self-acceptance. And number three is self-gift. So what's the first one? Self-knowledge. Socrates said it that, you know, know thyself. We need to know ourself. Why we do some of the things that we do. do we, are we aware of our temperament? Are we aware, you know, sometimes maybe we find ourselves in either, as St. Ignatius would say, consolation or desolation. Like when we're praying or we're trying to pray, we find ourselves just anxious, worried, afraid. It's like, can we name that? Are we aware of that? And our temperament, or maybe uh, our emotions, struggling with anger. Anybody know anyone who struggles with anger? Okay, they might be sitting right next to you right now. Okay, um, you might be that person. This is something that falls in a self-knowledge. It's what I, I share with my novices, is that anger is a secondary emotion. Something has preceded it. Are we aware of what is maybe causing us to be angry, that it might be more than what is just on the surface. Anger can be a gift, G-I-F-T. It can reveal guilt, inferiority, fear, or trauma. Guilt, <laughs> yeah, maybe you've been or found caught someone like in an awkward moment and the, the truth is there, but they're denying that the truth of maybe what they've been cornered in. You can see anger come up. When you've been made to feel inferior, small, overlooked, it could cause anger. Fear. Fear could be a great defense mechanism that anger comes to help, help us keep our stuff together when we're afraid. But that's what's moving. That's what's causing the anger is I'm afraid. Trauma. And there's two kinds of traumas, type A, type B, big traumas, small traumas. Traumas like, you know, a death in a family. A sudden death, maybe there was a divorce that just turned your world upside down, that, that leaves a deep mark, a wound in you. And then the smaller ones, but yet still very profound, 
are those, those experiences often we have in childhood where maybe we, weren't, we didn't ex- receive that acceptance, that love, that security, that affirmation of our goodness. The word affirmation means to make firm of one's goodness. And if we've not received that earlier on, it leaves a mark. And later in life, certain things happen and we find ourselves reacting and anger coming forth. That all comes underneath self-knowledge. I think that's a really important dynamic in growing and maturing in our Christian life. What's number two? Self-acceptance. Okay, stay with me. Um, Okay, I'll tell you, this is not self-acceptance, loving yourself, okay? Um, That's not what it is. It's not looking in the mirror and just saying, oh, you're you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. That's not self-acceptance. Um, Self-acceptance is where we find our identity. And very often we find our identity in one of two places. Our achievements, our successes, our titles. Isn't it amazing how we can really get attached to our titles? We say, you know what, change my job description, but please don't change my titles. I I want to be the president. I want to be the director. Or whatever it is that is our title that we can cling to. And we try to tell the whole world this is who I am. The other extreme, and it's not what we shout to the world, but very often it, it's, it's something we believe in our heart. It's our moral failures, the lies that we believe about ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm damaged goods. I'm unlovable. You know, the, these are things that, because of things that we've done or have happened to us from other people, that define us and who we are. And Jesus has come to remind us continually that you are his beloved. You're his beloved son. You're his beloved daughter. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I'm going to say something that some people find a little scandalous or shocking. And I think it needs to be said. God does not approve of you. I feel that go. What do you mean, Father? If it was possible for God to approve of you, it'd be possible for him to disapprove of you. And God is a lover, not an approver. We see that in the prodigal son, that the father loves both of his sons. Even his, his youngest, who basically says, I wish you were dead, and gets his inheritance and goes, goes spends it all. He still loves him. It doesn't change his love. And I think we grow up Believing, experiencing that if I'm, if I'm good, I'm good at work, I'm good at school, maybe I'm good in my relationships, therefore I'm approved, and therefore I'm loved. God is not an approver. He's a lover. And I think it can be incredible weight and burden that throughout our life we keep trying to win God's approval, earn God's love, and it's a total gift. Self-acceptance is coming to that place and just receiving that I am loved by God. I receive that. I accept that. I am his beloved. And there's nothing I can do about it. When we experience that, when we grow in that, it most profoundly impacts dynamic number three, which is what? Self-gift. So just to recap, number one is, number two, number three. Self-gift. Self-gift is vocation. This is where I make a gift of myself to another. Marriage, priesthood, religious life. 
It's where I, I enter into ministry, into mission. I want to be of service to others. I want to serve the church in some way. As a Eucharistic minister, I, want, I feel like God's calling me to, to maybe be part of this group, this outreach in the church. Now, the more we give our, receive ourselves as gifts, we can give ourselves as gifts. And that's what brings me to the mission of the Oblates. And it's about vocation. You know, Father Eric knows this well as vocation director. We, we both hear the same thing about the vocation crisis in the church. And there's such a need. And, and that's true. I think the crisis really is one of identity. It starts right there. If our young people are encouraged to come to the truth of who they are and not what school they go to and what job they have or what their aspirations are, and then sometimes it doesn't happen, they feel like they're a failure. They need to, we need to, regardless of where we are on the age spectrum, to come to the truth of our identity as God's beloved. You know, right now, the ratio of of priests to Catholics in the, in the United States, it's one priest every 2,000 Catholics. Most of you are coming from elsewhere in the country. And, you know, we come down here in Florida where other priests in the country have figured out where to go, you know, <laughs> myself included. But you go back home, your, your experience, more often than not, is profoundly, it's one priest covering one, two, three parishes. Can you imagine what our church would look like if that number is five times what it is today? If it's one priest to every 10,000 Catholics, what we would be feeling, what we would be experiencing? That's the reality today in the Philippines. One priest to every 10,000 Catholics. The Philippines is an incredibly Catholic country. Population, 100 million Catholic population, 85 million. 85% are Catholic. The need is great. And what's really, to me, amazing about the Philippines is that the Catholic culture and identity is still very strong. 3 p.m. public TV, they, they have the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day. That the, the faith is there. But often, and what we're experiencing, the vocations are coming from poor families. One of our novices a couple years ago, I was privileged to be with the novices from the Philippines with our American novices. And we celebrated his birthday, surprised him with a, with a cake and a little party. And at the, after he blew out his candles, I said, speech. Because, you know, that's what we do, jokingly give a speech. Well, he started to give one. And I was humbled by what he shared and what he said. He first, he said, I want to thank God for, for this gift and the oblates of the Virgin Mary. And he said, this is my first birthday cake. He said, growing up, my mom always said she wished she could give me a party, wished she could bake me a cake. She apologized, but she said, I had Father say a mass for you today. And that is the greatest gift I could give you is the gift of the Eucharist, the gift of the Mass. So he was raised in just a, a, a beautiful Catholic faith and came to a place with desire to make a gift of himself to the church. And the Oblates have felt called to go to the Philippines to, to, to form future priests for their people. 
And so I'm here today on behalf of my brothers who are working in the Philippines to, to ask for your prayers and your support in this ministry and our need, which is so great in other places of the world, more so than we are experiencing it, and we experience it here. But know that in that second selection, for you just know that it is not just going to the Philippines. It's part of a broader, wider net of ministry that our prayers and support help the lamps of future uh, missionaries, future priests, to continue to burn brightly, that the light might light, light shine in the darkness, and the darkness may not be overcome by it. Amen? <laughs>